right. Thank you so much. You can be seated tonight. How many of you brought your Bible with you? Will you hold up the Word of God all over the building tonight? I want to ask you to join me, if you will, in the Old Testament tonight, 1 Kings chapter 18. And I want to read some verses there in just a moment. I'll ask you, if you will, to leave your Bibles open here and to follow me along quickly. That's page number 413, if you have an old Schofield Bible or the book of 1 Kings chapter 18. And let me read some verses here in just a moment. Let me remind you of our service on Wednesday night. I hope you'll be back for that. And looking forward to being together again on Wednesday night. And then, as I said, let's don't forget. Let's go after hour one in these days. Don't forget that. I mean, I know the revival is over, and, and I understand all that. But, I mean, man, it's time to ramp it up. And uh, so let's do our best to go after hour one. All right? First Kings chapter 18 tonight. I want to begin reading with verse number 31. I have a 610. I want to be through by 20 to 7. So I have 30 minutes to preach a 49-minute and 30-second sermon here, all right? And so if you'll bear with me, I will move through this fast. Look at verse 31. And Elijah, 1 Kings 18, 31, And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood and said, Fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, Do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said... Do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran round about the altar and filled the trench also with water. Now jump down to verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Now go back up, if you will, and look at verse number 33, because the Bible said that He's rebuilt the altar out of the wood, and the Word of God said He's laid it in order, verse 33, and then He calls for four barrels of water, and He says, Okay, pour all that water on, on, this, on this wood, this altar. Then he says, hey, do it again the second time. And they did it the second time. Then he said, do it the third time. And they did it the third time. There was so much water that the Bible said that it filled the trench around about the altar. And then the Bible said that the fire of God fell and consumed the wood and the sacrifice. So tonight, uh, for just a little bit, I want to preach on this thought. God can start a fire with wet wood. God can start a fire with wet wood. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. Let's pray. Father, would you bless your word and speak to our hearts tonight, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I've kind of broken right into the middle of one of the most exciting stories in all of the word of God. It's the story of the contest on Mount Carmel. 
prior to the verses that I've read this evening, the nation of Israel is, spiritually speaking, at an all-time low. They have a wicked king on the throne, and he, along with his wife, Jezebel, they have introduced something called Baal worship into the life of the nation of Israel. Now, Baal worship was wicked, it was ungodly, and it revolved around many things. But one of the more revolting things that was associated with the Baal worship was the fact that the people offered their children as a sacrifice in the fire to this false god, the god of Baal. I don't know about you, but I couldn't even begin tonight to even mentally conceive taking one of my precious little grandbabies and throwing it in the fire to try to appease some false god that I'd never even seen before. But one of the things that was associated with Baal worship was, uh, was a child sacrifice. In fact, let me, let me read these verses here in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 19 and verse number 3, and it talks about the latter part of this verse, I'll bring evil upon this place, that whosoever heareth, his ears shall tingle. So God said, hey, I'm getting ready to judge this place. Now why? Why did God say, man, it's going, it's going to amaze you what I'm going to do? Because a verse or so later, in verse number 5, we read these words. They have also built, uh, uh, built the high places of Baal to burn their sons with fire for burnt offerings unto Baal. Now, I'm telling you something. That's pretty sick, friend, to take your little babies out, throw them in the fire to offer them up and try to appease this false god. Well, that's what, uh, that's what Ahab and Jezebel had brought into the nation of Israel. Well, God called a prophet by the name of Elijah to confront the worship of Baal in the land of Israel. And this confrontation has reached ahead at a place in our text called Mount Carmel. Elijah has challenged the nation. Elijah has challenged the prophets of Baal and the prophets of the grove to a contest on top of the mountain. This contest boils down to this. The prophets of Baal are going to be able to build an altar, place a sacrifice thereon, and then they're going to call on the God of Baal. And then the Word of God said that Elijah will build a sacri uh, an altar. He will also place a sacrifice on it, and he'll call on the God of Israel, and the God that answereth by fire, that's going to be the God that Israel is going to serve. Well, as you can well imagine, man, it's a showdown on top of that mountain. I kind of imagine it like this. Here are all the people from the nation of Israel gathered up around the top, the rim of that mountain, and right there in that valley is Elijah, one lone prophet of God, standing against these 450 prophets. I can imagine the tension is so thick you can cut it with a knife. I'm telling you, it is boiling down now to a contest. And the Bible said that the contest begins. And the prophets of Baal build their altar and put the sacrifice on there. And then the Word of God said that they begin to plead and they begin to beg for the greater part of the day for fire from Baal to fall down upon the altar. The Word of God said later on that they jump up and down and they begin to cut themselves to show their sincerity for an answer from their God. But the Word of God said they go from morning until afternoon and there's no word from Baal. You want me to tell you why? Because Baal's not a God. There's only one God. That's Jehovah God. The Lord God of the nation of Israel. So there's no answer. Well, about the time that the sun starts to set. I mean, it's a showdown at sundown. And about the time the sun starts to set, set Elijah tells these prophets of Baal, y'all get out of the way now. He go 
rose up there, and by the way, they've been jumping up and down. They've broken the altar of God down by all their religious, religious shenanigans. So Elijah comes and rebuilds the altar. The Word of God said that he put the sacrifice on the altar. And then he does a most unusual thing. And that is he begins to call for water. In fact, four barrels. I don't know how big they are. I'm just imagining a barrel like, like you'd put your trash in or burn your trash in, a big barrel. He calls for four of those barrels full of water. And the Bible said that he orders that water to be dumped out on that wood and on that sacrifice. He calls for it the second time. Now we're up to eight barrels of water. Then he calls for it a third time. Now we're up to 12 barrels of water. So everything is now soaked with water. In fact, there's been so much water poured upon this situation that the Word of God said the trench now, I mean outside the altar, is filled with the water as well. Now let me tell you something. What makes this so unusual is because Elijah's praying for fire. And you and I know that if there's one thing, two things that do not mix, it's fire and water. I mean, where you have one, you can't have the other. They just don't mix. You can't start a fire. I double-dog dare you to try to start a fire with wet wood. It is almost impossible to get wet wood to burn. And yet the Bible said in verse 38 that the fire of the Lord fell. And when the fire of God fell, the Bible said that it consumed the rocks and the stones and the dust and the sacrifice and that old wet wood was burned up too. The one thing I get from this text is simply this. God can start a fire with wet wood. Wet wood. Now, we here in our terminology today, in our front porch way of talking here down in the south, we hear things like this. Well, if that don't start your fire, your wood's wet. How many of y'all have ever heard that statement before? Somebody said, if that song don't bless you, if that song don't get you going, your wood's wet. If that preaching don't help you, your wood is wet. You know what that means in front porch language? That phrase, wet wood, simply means this. You got a problem, friend. I mean, if that don't start your fire, something is wrong with you. You have got a problem. Well, can I stop and say tonight that what I'm preaching to in this room is a bunch of wet wood? Hey, can I stop and say what you're listening, the person you're listening to preach, uh, doing the preaching tonight, is nothing more than just wet wood? You know why? I got problems, friend. You've got problems. We've all, we've all got our struggles. We've all got something wrong with us tonight. There's not a perfect person in this room tonight. No, not one. There's not a sinless person in this room tonight. No, not one. We all got a sin nature, don't we? We all have leanings toward that which is wrong and sinful. I like what I heard one, read by one writer said. He said, we all are bent toward evil. And that's, tr that's true of all of us. I don't care how religious you may try to be and what a spiritual front you may put on when you come to the house of God. I'll tell you what I'm preaching to tonight, a bunch of wet wood. I'll tell you what the one's doing the preaching tonight is. He's nothing more than just wet wood. You know why? We all got something wrong with us tonight. We all got our problems. We all got our leanings toward that which is wrong and which is sinful. In God's sight, all we are is just wet wood. But I'm glad that I can tell you tonight that God can start a fire 
with just wet wood. Hey, God is not restricted by the wetness of our wood. God is not hindered by our tendencies. God is not confined by our leanings. No, sir. God can start a fire with just old, uh, an old piece of wet wood. And what I want to do tonight, I want you to look here in this text. What I want to do tonight is I just want to show you three things from the Word of God that God can do with wet wood. All right? Because here's the thing. The devil's told some of y'all, you're done. God can't use somebody like you. Because of your past, because of the baggage that you brought into your Christian life, because this has happened to you, or because that's happened to you, or because you've suffered this problem in your life, or this trouble in your life, you can't be used by God. But I just want to tell you tonight, friend, God can still start a fire with just a bunch of old wet wood. And God can still get the glory from the fire burning in the wet wood. Amen. Now look at our text tonight. Let me show you three things. First of all, let me say number one, God, God can shake a society with wet wood. That's right. God can stir up. God can shake a society with wet wood. Now I got to tell you this. As of this time in our text, the nation of Israel is in a real spiritual mess. I said a moment ago they were spiritually at an all-time low. They were so confused, they'd even, they didn't even know which God to serve. Now, can I stop and say, that's sad, friend. I mean, after they have saw what they've seen God do, after they have heard the voice of God, after they have felt God, it's real sad that they're even, that they're even confused over who is the real God. But can I say that was exactly the state of the people in our text? If you look back at verse 21 of this same chapter, Elijah, the Bible said, came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? That word halt means to teeter back and forward. In other words, here's the way it was. Sometimes they leaned toward the worship of the Lord God. But sometimes they leaned toward the worship of Baal. I cut an old pine tree behind our house one time, and I'm, I'm dangerous. Anytime I get a hold of any kind of a tool, nothing but bad things are going to come out of that. I've got a chainsaw. I mean, I was going to cut this tree down, and I mean, it was a tall pine tree. I'm talking probably, I don't know, 50, 60 feet up in the air. And so I was going to cut it down, and I cut that. I was cutting through it. I didn't notch it. I just started cutting it. And uh, I just thought, well, it looks like it's leaning that way, and that's the way it's going to fall. So I got about halfway through, maybe three-quarters of the way through that thing, and I started looking up at the top of that old pine tree, and it was doing this right here. You know what I did? I left my soul and I took off running because that tree was teetering back and forth. I didn't know which way it was going to fall because it was going one way and then back the other. And that's pretty much the way the nation of Israel was at this time. I mean, they could make up their mind which God that they were going to serve. So Elijah called upon them in verse 22, verse 21, and he said, If the Lord be God, hey, follow Him. But if Baal be God, then follow Him. But here's the sad thing. They answered Him not 
a word. I said all that to say this. Society was in a pitiful condition at this particular time. Yes, sir, until that day on top of Mount Carmel when Elijah stood up for the Lord and he soaked that wood and he got that sacrifice laid and then he began to pray and he prayed there in verse 36 and verse 37, 63 words. And the next thing you know, the fire of God fell and it wasn't long till that old wet wood started burning and it got consumed and burned up. And when God started the fire with that wet wood, it convinced society that God was the real God, that God was the true God. If you look down at verse 39, the Bible said when God started the fire with that wet wood, the Bible said in verse 39, those people made a decision and they said this, the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. God used wet wood to shake a society. God used wet wood to stir that crowd up, to cause them to know that there's only one God and that God was the true and the living God. And I got to thinking, if God can do that with wet wood, what can He do with me? And what can He do with you? We too are living in days when society is teetering back and forward. They can't make up their mind if Buddha is God or if God is God or if Confucius is God or if Allah. They're, they're so confused. But I tell you what will convince them that God is real. When God reaches down and God gets a bunch of old wet wood and He starts a fire with that wet wood, it will convince this world that the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Hey, I want to tell you something, friend. By the time this chapter is over, listen, by the time this chapter over, revival has broke out in the land of Israel. Why? I'll tell you why. God started the fire with some wet wood. Now, if you don't believe what I'm about to tell you, God can start a fire with anybody. I don't care how wet your wood is. Amen. I don't care how many struggles you've had. I don't care where you've come from. I don't care which side of the tracks you live on. I don't care what your past is like. I'm glad I can tell you God can start a fire with wet wood. This old boy Elijah, can I tell you what Elijah was? You say, man, he was a man of God, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, but he was wet wood. Because that man of God in this chapter that's standing up and confronting them prophets of Baal in the very next chapter is showing how wet his wood really is. Is that my right? I mean, Jezebel stepped up and said, I'll kill that prophet of God. I'll kill that man of God. By this time tomorrow, he's going to be like them 450 prophets of Baal that they killed on top of that mountain. And he takes off running for... Now, wait a minute. Let me get this straight. He'll stand up to 450 prophets of Baal, but one old loudmouth, big-mouth, huzzified woman is going to set him on the run. You talk about wet wood. His wood was wet. But God sure did use him, didn't he? And I just want to tell you, God can shake a society with wet wood. Amen. Let me say number two, watch this. Not only can God shake a society with wet wood. I put this down. Number two, God can supply the Scripture with wet wood. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? Well, listen, this Bible that I've got before me and the Bible that you've got before me, before you tonight is the inspired Word of God. It is an amazing book. From cover to cover, it just doesn't contain the Word of God. It is the Word of God. We believe that. We preach it. 
We believe that. We, we taught it here at this church. Man, we keep it before our people that the Bible is the final authority on any subject. Amen. What God says supersedes, overrides what the president says, what Hollywood says, what Nashville says, what Wall Street says, what the TV says. God's Word is the one that we, we lean upon. God's Word is the final authority. And let me tell you something here, and I'm not toot my own horn, but I just want to tell you, while I'm here, we're not, going to place ex, uh, we're not going to place question marks around the Word of God. Brother, we're going to place exclamation points around the Word of God. It is, in fact, the Word of God. We know it's the Word of God. We have historical evidence that verifies the Bible's the Word of God. We have archaeological evidence that verifies the fact that the Bible is the Word of God. We have scientific evidence that verifies the fact that the Bible is the Word of God. We have prophetical evidence that verifies the fact that the Bible is the Word of God. But the greatest evidence I've got that verifies the fact that the Bible is the Word of God is I've got personal evidence. Yes, sir. God put His Word in my heart and the Holy Ghost detonated it one night and God began to work and changed my life. There's no doubts that the Bible is the Word of God. It is the Word of God preserved. It is the Word of God powerful. It is the Word of God precious. But can I say this? That amazing book was written with wet wood. Can I tell you that God gave us the Bible using wet wood? Every writer, there were 40 of them, all men, over a period of about 1,500 years, 40 men, different men, wrote our Bible. And you look at their lives, and I'll tell you the best of them was just soaked wood. That's all they were. Moses, who gave us the first five books of our Bible, see him digging a hole to bury a corpse of a man that he has murdered. David, who gave us the Psalms and other books in our Bible, see him holding a little baby born from an illegitimate relationship. Solomon, who gave us Proverbs and who gave us Ecclesiastes and the Song of Solomon, see him living with a thousand different women. Look at the oddities, uh, the oddities of Ezekiel and Isaiah. Look at Hosea, who had a prostitute for a wife and hailed from a broken home. Look at Matthew, a cheating tax collector who betrayed his own nation. Look at Mark who was a quitter and ran away from Paul and Barnabas because he was afraid. Look old Peter. Look at Peter cussing and denying that he even knows the Lord. And then there's the Apostle Paul who gave us 13 count, count Hebrews 14 of our 27 New Testament books haunted by all the murders he's been associated with. But bless your heart, God saved these men. God turned their lives around. And in spite of their past and in spite of what they've done, God used them to give us this amazing book that we call the Bible. Now, I don't know about you, but I've heard a lot of stories about King James. I've even read stories about King James. We know that in the year of our Lord, 1602, King James got some authorities together and decided that he was going to translate the Bible into, a, into an English-speaking Bible for the readers of that particular day. And people through the years have magnified the fact that King James was a wicked man. There's even rumors that King James was a homosexual. 
I don't know about all of that. But can I tell you something? If he was or if he wasn't. If he was wicked or if he wasn't wicked. Can I tell you something? Our God can still start a fire with just old wet wood. You can say about him what you want to say about him. But I'll tell you what, God used a bunch of crooked quills to write the straight pages of the Word of God. God used those men with all that was wrong in their life. And ladies and gentlemen, if God could use them, what can he do with you? And what can he do with me? Amen. So God, watch this, shook a society. God, watch this, supplied the Scripture. Then watch this, number three. God. Saves the sinner with wet wood. <laughs> you know what? Most people are saved. Uh, most people are saved through the, the, the foolishness of preaching. So God calls preachers to preach. Can I tell you what you're listening to tonight? And this is not false humility. Because I know me. You don't know me like I know me. Can I tell you something? Soaked through and through. Just an old chunk of wet wood. And that's not false humility. That's truth. I know what I am tonight. By the way, I know who I'm preaching to. You think I don't know, don't you? I know what I'm preaching to. I'm preaching to a bunch of wet wood. I mean soaked through and through. But aren't you glad that God can use people like you and God can use people like me to get people saved by the grace of God. We all got our struggles. We all have our battles. We all have our temptations. We all have our faults and our failures and our foibles. Just a piece of old wet wood. But I'm glad God can give an old chunk of wet wood a burden for somebody that's lost. And God can somehow through us. And God can somehow by us. And God can somehow with us use a piece of wet wood to reach another piece of wet wood and get them on fire for Jesus. I know what the devil tells you because he tells me the same stuff. God can't use somebody like you. You might as well forget it. I know some of you are sitting right here tonight. and Some of you may be even thinking about preaching, but the devil taps you on the shoulders. Now, wait a minute now. Man, remember what's going on in your life. I mean, remember, remember where you came from. Remember what those people know about you. Hey, can I tell you something? That don't mean God can't use you. Don't you listen to this. L listen, I'm done. Noah was a drunk, but God used him. Abraham was a fornicator, but God used him. Isaac was a deceiver, but God used him. Jacob, Jacob, Jacob was a liar, but God used him. Leah, now not this one. But the Bible one was ugly. But God used her. Joseph was abused. But God used him. Moses stuttered. But God used him. Gideon was afraid of his shadow. But God used him. Samson had long hair and was a womanizer. But God used him. Rahab was a prostitute. But God used her. Jeremiah was just a baby, but God used him. David was a murderous adulterer, but God used him. Elijah wanted to commit suicide, but God used him. Isaiah walked around naked, 
but God used him. Don't do that. I'm just saying he did that, and God used him. Jonah was a runaway, but God used him. Naomi was a widow, but God used her. Job filed for bankruptcy, but God used him. Peter cussed and denied knowing the Lord, but God used him. The disciples fell asleep when they ought to have been praying, but God used him. Martha was a wary wart, but God used her. The Samaritan woman made Elizabeth Taylor look like a Girl Scout, but God used her. Zacchaeus was short, but God used him. Paul was a murderer, but God used him. Timothy had ulcers, but God used him. Lazarus was dead, but God used him. So why don't you quit offering up excuses as to why God can't use you and get up here on the altar and say, God, catch this wet wood on fire and watch what God does with your life. It's not that God can't use you. It's that you won't let God use you because our God can start a fire with wet wood. <laughs> and I sure, you say, I want some evidence. You looking at it. Proof positive. God can start a fire. Backward, shy, timid, fearful. Don't want to don't do this. And yet God said, preach. And look what God gave me to pre preach to. And God gave me to preach in. Don't you tell me God can't start a fire with wet wood. <laughs> he sure can. Proof positive right here. And what God did for me, He can do for you. Let's bow our heads for prayer.